Hello and welcome to a new episode of When the Bible Wasn't There. My name is Marco. I'm Josh. And so what are we going to be talking about today? Well, today we're going to continue with the life of Moses, which we'll be continuing to go through this season. And we're going to talk about the plagues in Egypt. What can we learn from this situation that just appears to be destruction? Right. All right, let's get into it. So last, last week we were talking about Pharaoh yeah. and how God had given Moses two signs. And they were significant in which the first one was the snake, the rod that turns into a snake. And then when he puts his hand and then it turns into leprosy. And we talked about how this was representative of, the, of God giving Moses a power over the originator of sin, which was Satan, and also over the effects, effects of yes. sin. Now we're going to move into the plagues. And when we begin to talk about the plagues, the first thing that seems to jump out of the pages here is that God is a God devoid of mercy. You know, I, I mean, it's a list of bad stuff happening to these people. I could totally see how someone would view it that way. You know, you have destruction, you have death, yeah. all of these horrible things that are happening. But we have to remember, Pharaoh asks the question. When, mm. when Aaron and Moses come, they say, Our God, the Lord, Jehovah, has commanded that we be let free. He says, let yeah. my people go. He says, who is this God? Who is Jehovah? Who is Lord? Why should I listen to him? You know, I have my gods. I don't know what you're talking about. He's not one of my gods. And he says this, but we have to remember also that the Egyptians had held these people in captivity for 400 years. They had been trying to still worship their God. They had known about Joseph and how his God basically saved all of Egypt. So this was not an unknown character to them. They knew God. So God says, do you want to know who I am? I'm going to have to show you. Yeah. And you can either decide, as we'll see, to know me as soon as I show you. Yeah. Or I'll continue to try and show you. Yeah. And I'm just going to get more bold and bold because I want you to know who I am. Yeah. And it's the so same then, thing in our life. So you're saying that God in his mercy needs to show him. So he needs to go ahead and give him those trials. Yeah. So, so the same thing can be in our Christian life. When we go through trials, and many times when we question God, why am I going through this? It's it possible that God is saying, let me show you who I am. It, for sure. You know, C.S. Lewis has a really good quote. And I'm going to paraphrase it because I probably don't remember it perfectly. But he says, God whispers to us in our comforts, speaks to us in our displeasures, and shouts at us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Yeah. So literally, he is shouting here at Pharaoh, you want to know who I am? Let me show you. Yeah. Let my people go. Let me show you who I am. And it's just going to keep getting louder and louder yeah. until you listen. Yeah. So then... At the end, we're going to see whether or not Pharaoh decided to listen to yeah. that loud voice. But we always, God always starts, mm-hmm. you know, small. Last week yeah. we talked about how he started with, with the, the serpents. With the serpents, you know, we talked about how that was just a small thing, and then yeah. he doesn't believe it. It gets a little bit bigger now. We can mm-hmm. read the first real plague, yeah. and it's in Exodus. Uh, let's see, Exodus, Exodus seven fourteen through twenty one. We'll paraphrase mm-hmm. for the sake of time. The first plague, you know, Pharaoh goes and he goes to worship mm-hmm. one of his gods. He goes to the Nile River. And yeah. he, he says, thank you, River, for giving us health, for giving us crops, for, yeah. you know, everything you do for us. And God instructs Moses, go down to that same river mm-hmm. at that same time and put that rod I, I told you to carry into the river. And what happens? Mm-hmm. It turns into blood. It turns into blood. But just that water? Or is it all the water in Egypt? All the water in Egypt. All the water in Egypt. You know Egypt. what is significant? Because when we talk about water, <clears throat> mm-hmm. to them, water was the thing that brought to them the life of the crops, of the yeah. harvest. And it signified life. Yeah. But it turns into a symbol of death. 
-hmm. right after its life and then all of a sudden it turns into a symbol of death literally not even the fish could live in it exactly literally someone could have had water in their cup yeah ready to drink it Literally. and they put it to their lips and it's blood that would be horrifying yeah. that would be like what the heck is going on yeah. here because they don't they didn't see moses stick the rod in, yeah. in the river they're going to hear about it later but mm. this this thing happens where the same thing that happens with the serpents pharaoh says hey magicians try something try something and they yeah. turn maybe a little bowl of water <laughs> into yeah. blood play a little trick a little trick because satan's power can never match god's never but sometimes we buy into it anyways. We buy into the fact that, oh, it's happenstance, it's coincidence, yeah. it's not the voice of God. It's just, you know, a day-to-day -day thing. So then Satan gives us an opportunity to trust him, the mm -hmm. same way that God gives us that opportunity. Yeah. He gives us signs and wonders. He does. My, the, now the question is, can we base our faith on um, miracles? Because it seems to, at this point that he's actually giving him a list of miracles to trust in him. Mm -hmm. But can we base on our faith on There's going to be a point where Satan's power just can't keep up. And we're going to see it. Because, yeah. again, he just can't keep up with God. And these first two things that have happened, he's kept up. But if you yeah. really look at it, it's barely scratching the surface of yeah. what God did. Absolutely. But it's enough to make Pharaoh doubt. Yeah. And you know, one of my favorite quotes says, God will not remove every hanger for you to hang your doubt on. Yeah. It'll always be there. Because you have to want it. You have to want to believe, you know? Yeah. So he says, okay, this is the, everything is blood now. My magicians did it anyways. This is just sorcery. Yeah. This is just, this is just nonsense. This is no real power. Yeah. And now it escalates, right? Yeah, it escalates. As we see in the, in the, next, in the next chapter, mm -hmm. God decides to attack another God. And yeah. it's interesting how every plague that he has, for the most part, is something that they actually worship. Yeah. And the next one is actually frogs. Yeah. And, it is. and when we look at uh, the Egyptian mythology, the, the frog was one of their biggest, it was one of their gods. Oh, yeah. And they worshiped that. It, it symbolized fertility. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how God goes ahead and decides, all right, you love the frog too much because in their, in their culture, this was like their sex god. Yeah, it was a big deal. Okay, it was a big deal. It yeah. was a sex god. Sex uh, god. Why? Because it reproduced very quickly. Mm -hmm. very so now quickly. what does he do? Frogs everywhere. Frogs, everywhere. frogs in your home, frogs everywhere. in the palace, yeah. frogs all over the streets. So yeah. Pharaoh goes to Moses yeah. and he says, hey, you got to get rid of these frogs. Yeah. Like, we can't have this. And Moses says, okay, let my people go. Yeah. And appoint the time when you want these frogs to be gone. Yeah. And he says, okay, let's do it tomorrow. Let's schedule an appointment. Let's make it happen. Mm -hmm. But all the while, he's praying to his gods make these frogs disappear so that <laughs> Moses and his God can't get the credit. Yeah. But what happens? Those frogs stay alive the whole yeah. time up yeah. until that appointment they've set. Yeah. And then they don't even disappear. Stay dead. <laughs> they stay dead and the Egyptians collect them and put them into piles. Yeah. Their God that they worship because of its ability to create life so right. quickly, to be so fertile, is now stacked up in yeah, piles yeah. dead. Yeah. And God's saying, this is what you worship. But look mm -hmm. who I am. And it, when we look, when we translate this into, into our Christian life, you know, morality is something very, something that will take you to the deepest mm -hmm. of the deepest. And in, in the case of, <clears throat> of the Egyptians, they would worship this God as their sex God because they love how it reproduced very quickly. And to them, reproduction was a big deal. Well, what's a big deal? Yeah. But now God gives them that which they adore and hold as very in highly in abundance that says, all right, you want it? Here it is. 
go ahead and have it. And then many times when, when we as Christians fall into that moral depravity, it comes to a point where God will say, all right, you want it? Go for it. Yeah. And then when we ask God for the miracle, God take it away. God will say, all right, fine. But he will never take the results of that which we have sown. Yes, exactly. And as a result, you have the pile of dead frogs mm -hmm. right in your backyard. Yeah, anyone, God will not take it away. Anyone who's suffered from addiction can tell you, even when you start to get into recovery and you, you're yeah. praying that you know you can fight that substance you're addicted mm -hmm. to, that you want more and more of. Yeah. Everything you've done because of your addiction doesn't disappear. All the people yeah. you've hurt, yeah. all like maybe the money you owe, the trouble you legal yeah. trouble you've gotten into, it's still there. Yeah. Even if you start to better yourself, yeah. it's still there. The consequences remain. But the thing is that we should never doubt that God forgives you. Yet God yeah. will forgive you. In this case, Pharaoh pleaded and said, I will let your people go. Get this plague out yeah. of me. He says, all right, I'll do it for you. But there will always be a reminder mm -hmm. of what we have actually sown. And it has to be a reminder because what has, in our lives, it's what has God saved you from. You know, you could have gotten in so much more trouble. You could have done yeah. so many worse things. Yeah. And now you have the opportunity to maybe never make things the way they were, but with Absolutely. Christ you can begin to repair. Absolutely. So this is God's way of saying, as we talked in the beginning, who am I? All right, this is who I am. What power do I have? This, this is, is the, the power, power I have. And that's a reminder. Mm -hmm. that's but a reminder. this doesn't This doesn't stop him. Yeah. This is not enough to really say, okay, I'm going to let your people go. <clears throat> and it just keeps getting worse and worse, like we talked about, because God will keep getting louder in your life. He just keeps going. He, he doesn't want to give up on you. Yeah. And in this case, he doesn't want to give up on the Egyptian people. Yeah. You know, he's going to keep going. He wants them to know who he is. So what's the, what happens next? What's the next play? Well, in, uh, in Exodus chapter 8, verse 12, we have another, yet another, another plague. Here in verse 12 and verse 13, it begins to say how the frogs die. And they're right in their backyard. They still don't listen to the Lord. And in verse 16... It says that he, he extends his arms and all of a sudden he has lice. Lice and all over the country. All over the I've country. I've never had lice. This is horrible. I've never yeah. had it, so yeah. I, I don't know what that's like, but I know people who have had it. Yeah. They've had to shave their head, they get all itchy, they're not mm -hmm. comfortable. Yeah. So, okay, there were, were, were these things like, yeah, you know, you, you might not have the fresh water, you mm -hmm. might have to like do a hike to get fresh water, there might yeah. be frogs in your room now, yeah. but now it's like on your body. Yeah. You're itching, you're, you're fidgeting, you can't think straight because you just have these lice. It's like, it's personal now almost to every Egyptian. And you know, it, to me it's almost comical how God deals with the Egyptians because up until this point, the, <clears throat> the frogs have left a big stench, mm -hmm. all right? He has a little bit big stench, but the lice is not like something that is threatening to your health. It's just annoying. And you know how many times in our Christian life, God simply said, let me annoy you a little bit yeah. to get your attention. I need to it's get the, your attention. I need not, to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Now he's, he, look, he, he's kind of getting the Egyptians out of that comfort zone. You know, he's yeah. starting to get them uncomfortable. He's saying, I'm trying to talk to you. Are yeah. you listening? He's speaking in their discomfort now, just like yeah. C.S. Lewis says. We haven't reached the point of pain yet yeah. or like agony. And we're yeah. getting there because Almost they there. won't listen. Yeah. But right now they're just uncomfortable. They're really uncomfortable. And he's saying, you have the opportunity now to come to me in your discomfort. Yeah. I'm trying to rouse you out of your slumber. I'm it's not trying to wake yet. you up. It's not serious yet. It's just a little bit of lice. Yeah. We, can still, we can still get somewhere without it getting worse. And, you know, he's done this in my life. Yeah. I, and you, the interesting thing is you don't notice it <clears throat> until after, until you've gotten to the point where he's shouting at you almost. Mm -hmm. Then you notice when he was whispering. Yeah. But you don't notice it when he's whispering. 
If yeah. only we could notice it then, we would save ourselves so much trouble. But, you know, you mentioned something interesting because everything is escalating at this point. Yeah. And when we go to the next, pl uh, the next plague, which is the plague of flies, what did we have before? We have the frogs. Mm -hmm. The frogs die. They have a stench. Yep. The most logical thing to happen now is that you obviously will have flies. flies. Yeah. So many times, if we do not decide to obey and listen to God, what does he say? All right, well, guess what? This was a consequence of, of your sin. You do not make a choice now. Well, guess what? There are a lot more consequences. It's just going to keep piling on, up. And it keeps piling up. And now we now, have flies. Now on top of the piles of frogs, you have a pile of flies. Yeah. Literally. So now it's just swarming the whole country. Like yeah. a cloud of flies. Yeah. Like if, if you've seen a few, like maybe around, like, you know, if you ever worked at a restaurant, I have, mm. you've seen them around like the dumpster and they're in like this large group. It's gross. But imagine that like all over a city. And we're not talking small flies. We're, we're not talking big ones. The ones that bite. Yeah. They literally would bite people. Yeah. Like horse flies. That's yeah. not pleasant. No one wants that. Again, rousing them to discomfort to so say, So now all here of a I sudden, we're, we're introducing pain here. Yeah. We're yeah. In just a little, just the smallest bit of pain to say, mm -hmm. are you awake yet? Yeah. I am the Lord. This is why you should listen to me. I literally control everything down from the water. I can change it into whatever I want. Yeah. I can control life and death with the frogs. This was the first instance they saw of him controlling life and death with the frogs. Yeah. And I control even the small lice to the small flies. I control all of them. Yeah. You want to listen to me now before I have to try to even get louder with you. And at this point, we have to realize that the, the Egyptian people are not saying anything. Yeah. They're kind of like, okay, we can handle this. Mm -hmm. But later on, we get into the other plagues and the people are crying. Let them go Let already. Them go. <laughs> Let it go. Which, which yeah. is so interesting, which I want to yeah. get to in a little bit, but let's, let's keep developing the plagues. Yeah. We have the, the next plague now. Now, the next plague we're talking about, it's a plague on the livestock. Yeah. Now, no, the plague on the livestock is significant because now God is not attacking them or making them uncomfortable. He's threatening now their source of food. But again, yeah. still with attacking their yeah. religion because a lot of these <clears throat> livestock were holy. Like even the yeah. calf was holy to the Egyptians. Yeah. The cow was holy. Like a lot of these things. What does Moses later on say? We can't sacrifice here because yeah. a lot of things we need to sacrifice yeah. to our God is what you consider holy. Is what you consider holy. But we, of course, later on we will get into that. But the the cow was so holy to them that what happens when when once they're already freed and they're right there by Mount Sinai, it's so engraved into them that they make a golden calf. Imagine. So again, so, God is still saying these are the things you value. Mm -hmm. They have no value compared to me. I am the one who holds everything, every calf, every lamb, every every single living creature. I hold their life in my hand, yeah. including yours. Yeah. But the thing is that he doesn't only attack the the cows. It's he all he it's attacks all the lives. The horses, mm -hmm. the donkeys, the camels, the cattle, the sheep, and the goats, everything. This was their source of food. Not only their God, it mm -hmm. was their very source of food. The thing that sustained them, that gave them that net of security. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they are now devoid of food. And it gets worse. Yeah. So the next plague that we're going to talk about is the one of boils. And up until this point, God has been cranking up the, the pain. Oh, yeah. Here. Like, for example, he had the lice. Yep. Now he, he gave them the flies that sting. Mm -hmm. And now finally, he gives them a boil. Yep, and if anyone, I've never had a real boil before, but you've mm -hmm. studied a little bit of medicine, you know, in your EMT training, and I'm studying medicine also in healthcare mm -hmm. management. So if you've ever had a boil or have seen one, they're these large, like, 
really gross things that are full of black, bad blood, pus, all the things the body wants to get rid of almost right. go in there. Or if there's a, it's like a really bad infection. Yeah. The only way to get rid of them is to drain them. And even that is painful because yeah. you have to make sure you get everything out or it's just gonna get infected again. Yeah. So here the pain, it goes up. I mean, we're talking about little fly bites. Now we're talking about full blown boils. Yeah. It's gross, it's disgusting, it's super painful. And the magicians are covered by that. All of a sudden the magicians now, the magicians, it, it's personal now. So, so at this point, the magicians and the priests have not been affected by it. Eh, you know, there's really. a frog here or there. They, yeah. they, they have to swat a few flies. Yeah. But they're, they're still living in privilege. Yeah. You know. So this is the first time that they actually gets to them. This is the only time where I think it, it's really like, it's shocking to them. They, yeah. they even go to Pharaoh and what, they, they say, That's it, we got it. This is the finger of God. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. And this is where we see the really... The, biggest, mm -hmm. the second biggest crack yeah. in their religious system, which we'll see the actual mm -hmm. largest later, the magicians can't they, replicate it. They can't replicate it. But not only that, they go before Pharaoh, who, if you know anything about Egyptian customs, is raw incarnate. Yeah. He is God to them. Yeah. He's a priest. He's, a, he's the head honcho. Yeah. He is God to them. Yeah. And they say, this is the finger of God. Mm -hmm. What God? Because you're supposed to be talking to God right now. Yeah. So if you're not talking about Pharaoh, what God are you talking about? Yeah. So we see it's starting to crack. It's starting to crumble. The priesthood, the magicians, no longer believe in, in their God. Yeah. Now they now they're, they're being converted because of the pain. Yeah. Because what does God do? He shouts to us yeah. in our pains, and they can't ignore it. Yeah. There's no ignoring it. They can't change it. Pharaoh is is help is helpless in this situation. But what about Pharaoh? Does he have the boils? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So God Himself. Is being affected by a, like this bad disease. Yeah, that must be a big god. Yeah. <laughs> it must be a god bigger than our god. Yeah. So it's starting to crack. It's starting to crumble. But you know what's interesting here is that God, whenever He gives something, He always always has a dual purpose, mm -hmm. because the Bible tells us that this boils represented the time that His people had been taken through the furnace of affliction. Yes, because what does Moses do to cause it? He throws the ashes. He throws the ashes. And, and it's very significant. Super significant yeah. because we can read how to Abraham it was shown by a furnace and a lamp yeah. their suffering. So he's saying to Israel, look, in your time for deliverance, it's here. When these ashes fall on the Egyptians, they're going to cause some nasty boils. Yeah. And even the religious order will know who God is. Yeah. So we see how God is basically building up now. Yeah. But now the next one, we come to the, to the next plague. And now it's hail. Mm -hmm. They have boils, all right? Mm -hmm. If they come out with boils and hail is falling out, what can you expect? They're sore all over. Like, they're yeah. gonna, like, it's not gonna be good. Plus, yeah. this hail, it's large. It yeah. can kill a man. I mean, what is God gives them a warning through Moses? Yeah. He says, Look, bring all your livestock, bring every man who's in the field, bring them inside. Because yeah. I'm about to send hail down like your fathers have never seen, like yeah. their fathers have never seen, like there's never been in the land of Egypt. And what do they do? The ones who believe, the ones who have seen, the signs who have heard God in their discomfort and in their pain say, we got to get inside, bring that donkey inside, bring that land, whatever's still they alive, don't any, they don't have any whatever's still like alive, yeah. bring it inside. Because yeah. apparently yeah. something's still alive because he says to bring the livestock right. inside. So there's still some that are alive. Bring them inside. Yeah. So if you're wise and if you're listening and if you're watching what's happening, you obeyed. But now the question is, why <clears throat> at this point, why is Pharaoh still refusing? To believe. You know, the Bible says that God hardened his heart, right? And a lot of people have a problem with that statement. Yeah. You know, why would God harden someone's heart instead of letting them come to repentance? Yeah. 
But if we really think about it, every time Pharaoh rejected that voice, every time Pharaoh said, I will not let your people go, or he half-heartedly repented just to get rid of the consequences, which yeah. we do all the time. Yeah. We'll pray, Lord, you know, I did this never thing, do it again. and now this happened. I will never do it again. If you get me out of this situation, Lord, I'll never do it again. And I remember um, I was with one of my friends once, and he was telling a story about how he was on a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And he was always afraid of roller coasters. And I kind of relate to that. I do not like roller coasters at all. But he's on this roller coaster. And it's like one of those little rinky-dinky carnival ones. And it's, and it's like moving back and forth. And it's shaking. And he says, Lord, if you get me off this roller coaster, I'll never do this sin again. And I won't name his sin here. But he said, I'll never do that again. And God gets him off the roller coaster. And he's like, okay, I'm good. So a lot of the time we'll shout out to the Lord. We'll say what we'll do. And we never do it. And, you know, it's interesting because I think it's in Ecclesiastes where it says, yeah. don't ever come and make vain promises in the temple of God. Yeah. It's better to keep your mouth shut than to make vain promises in front of the Lord. Yeah. Pharaoh keeps doing that. Yeah. The and thing is time, that, oh, go ahead. The thing is that even God's people get into that habit. Yeah. Because later on we find out, they promise God, you know, when God begins to speak his law, they're like, guess well, what? We got to pay. That's it. All these things, we will do. Yeah. But so, I think God is showing them. Exactly. You can't. You can't. I have the power. If you want to be able to do anything, it's through me. Mm -hmm. So every time Pharaoh says, yeah, if you get me out of this roller coaster, I promise you, I'll, I promise you I'll let your people go. Yeah. And then he backtracks. He's hardening his heart. He's saying, oh, I'm good. I don't, I, I was, I'm off the roller coaster of that plague. You know, that plague passed and I still have this. I still have that. It's fine. He, he reassures himself that he doesn't need to obey God. And every time he does that, it gets harder to obey the next time. And this is especially what the Bible calls presumption. Mm -hmm. Because the definition of presumption is when you attribute to Satan or to human power that which God has, has made. Exactly. So we have to look at our Christian lives and say, at what point has God actually talked to me? Not had dismissed it as coincidence. Because many times we do the, we do the same. Yeah. But I was hearing the, the experience of this, uh, these young people, they were, they were on, a, on flight. Mm -hmm. There was turbulence. And the same thing as your friend with a roller coaster, like God, you know, it's pretty, pretty obvious we might die. Yeah. You know, forgive our sins, uh, we won't do it again. But then each time that that, that happens, God's voice begins to to lessen. Mm. And not necessarily God's voice lessens, but the ability but to the hear. The ability it. to hear. It. The ability to hear. And mm. here's the thing. Again, I'll jump mm. back to addiction because I think it's the best parallel for mm. sin. I'll always say that. Here's the thing: when you start doing, like, start taking a drug. The first time you take it, you might have to convince yourself to take it, or other people might convince you to take it. But every time you take it, it's easier. Every time you give into it, it's easier. Every time, it's harder to say no. And it's the same way with sin. Every time you turn away God's voice, it's harder to listen to the voice and easier to give into sin. Because you're choosing which frequency you'll make louder in your life. Are you going to make the devil's voice louder? Or are you going to make God's voice louder? So, so I think the lesson that we can learn is that God never ceases to speak to you. You cease to listen. You cease to listen. And I think that's what we need to be careful. Yeah. Because many times our spiritual ears are, are deaf. Are deaf, And we yeah. can't hear it. Yeah. And <clears throat> the other time, especially when we talk with people that, that are really going through, trying to get up out of an addiction, it comes to the point where they have failed so much that they actually believe that there is no, actually no more hope. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, as we continue to talk about the plagues, the people are starting to clamor. They're starting to say, let these, yeah. let these people go. What's going on? So, you know, we come to the next plague. We talked about the hail. Yeah. What, what happens next? It's only going to get worse. What happens next? Well, now the thing is that it wasn't only hail, but it was fire. 
fire mixed with hail. Hail, fire mixed with hail. Yep. So imagine you have boils, you have hail, and then you have fire. fire. And that's the worst combination. Yeah. <clears throat> but now the next one is locusts. So we've removed the boils, we removed the hail. Like mm-hmm. they're almost in Egypt is getting destroyed. Yeah. But they're kind of getting back to that sense of comfort. Yeah. And you know, crops have been destroyed by the hail. Crops have been destroyed by so many things already. But at this point, if you have locusts, the the few crops that you have that are damaged by the hail, they're gonna be gone. They're gonna be gone because that locusts are gonna yeah. eat it away. So now here's an interesting thought mm-hmm. that we could have brought up before, but I'll bring mm-hmm. it up now. So did God create new frogs? Did God create new flies? Did God create new locusts? Or did He call them like He calls? The, the birds later on in, ex, in Exodus. I think he calls them. He, he has nature in control. He, he has nature in his control. Yeah. So this is a sign. You know, they're seeing all these locusts. Yeah. They, no one has ever seen this many locusts in one yeah. place before. And there's barely anything for them to eat anyways. It's been destroyed by fire and hail. Like, yeah. why are they all coming here? There's no real reason. Yeah. How can you doubt that, as the magicians say, this is the finger of God? Yeah. And they're saying it already. Yeah. yeah. And now, after this, you know, the nobles and the priests and the... the the elite of Egypt, right? They come to Ra himself, to Pharaoh, and they say, why are these people still here? When are you going to let them go already? Yeah. Do you not understand that Egypt is destroyed? Yeah. That's not how you talk to a king, let alone a god. Yeah. But we have to, these are his counselors. Yeah. Okay. So they can talk freely to him. But <clears throat> what surprises me yeah. is that not only are they, are they telling him what he needs to do, that's mm-hmm. a big insult in and of itself. Oh, yeah. You're telling Pharaoh exactly what he needs to yeah. do, but they're not on his side anymore. No. They're like, you're nuts. You're nuts. You're, you know, we don't trust you as a king. We don't yeah. believe in you as a god. We can't do this anymore. You need to yeah. let them go. So God gives Egypt a time to reflect yeah. before the worst of the worst comes. He gives them three days of utter darkness. But you know, if we go a little bit before that in verse 16, <clears throat> Look what Pharaoh says. It says that Pharaoh quickly summons Moses. Yeah. Right? He summons Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned. He confesses. He realizes that he has sinned. How yeah. many times as Christians we come, you know, the God's voice is getting louder. It's getting too hard to ignore. And then you're like, I have sinned. I have sinned. Yeah. And he says, I have sinned. And he asks, now forgive me my sins once more. This is it. Many times we have sinned so many times. God has given us trial after trial after trial. And yeah. we come to God and we say again, Lord, forgive me my sins. Just one more. Just one more. Just one. But is it really just one, ever once more? No. That's the thing. That, that, that's the point. Because each time that we come to God and we know, well, at this point he has gotten into a habit. Mm-hmm. Each time he knows that if he goes to Moses and says, just forgive me this once more, Moses will say, fine. But do we God, do that? We do that. We do that all the time with God. Like if... Like if we can come and like wash our hands off the, of the dirt with prayer yeah. and then go back and stick them right back in the mud yeah. and then go back again and then do yeah. it all over again. But you can't keep doing that. It's not real. It's not genuine. And it doesn't establish a relationship with God. You're using him. But now the question is, why do we get into that habit? Because God is trying to talk to him mm-hmm. from all avenues. He's trying to get him to listen. Yeah. But why do we make that decision? It's easy. Change is harder. Real change is hard. He has. He simply has to let it go. And letting anything go is hard. That's the point. Because when we come to, to the Christian life, each time, look, it's easy to say, Lord, I promise yep. I will be a good person. Yeah. I promise you. Words are easy. Words are, but what happens? 
the biggest challenge that we have as Christians is to let everything in God's hands. Yeah. Because as humans, we need to be in control. Mm -hmm. There is no way that we can be that we cannot be in control. This was Pharaoh. Mm -hmm. He was used to enslave people. Yeah. And but, he wanted to be in control. But here's the thing: we're never in control. Either Satan is in control, or God is in or control. God is in control. And Satan will give you the illusion you're in control. Yeah. Until everything crashes down, you're like, wow, my life was out of control. Yeah. But the whole time I thought I was in control. God will say, I'm in control, but I will keep your life yeah. stable, balanced, happy. And this is, I think this is Satan's greatest deception. Because when we go to Jesus, when he's here on earth, and he goes to the wilderness, mm -hmm. and he's 40 days and 40 nights without eating, he's fasting. And what happens? The, the temptation that he brings to Jesus is said, look. I will give you the power. Yeah. Do you see these kingdoms? You I will give it to you. You don't have to die to you reclaim will, the world. You will be in control. Yeah. There's the thing. You are in control. You're in control. And this is the same, this is the same thing that he tells yeah. Pharaoh. And uh, Satan says the same thing to us. You don't have to die to self. Yeah. You to don't have live. to surrender it. You don't have to surrender anything. You can live your life. Yeah. Same thing. I will give you this whole world if you just bow down to me. Yeah. And Christ says, I have a whole new world for you if you just understand who I am. And what I want for you. Yeah. Something better than anything you can get here. And he's trying to tell Pharaoh the same thing. You have all these gods. You worship yeah. them with such conviction. You know, he goes to the river every day to worship. Yeah. Some people don't even pray every day to God. Yeah. But Pharaoh is at the river every day to worship. But you see, the thing is that he's worshiped. All the idols that he worships is that which fills his immediate need. Yeah. For example, the river had a purpose. Mm -hmm. For example, the river brought him food. Yep. It, it fed the crops that he had. It fed the, the livestock. Yeah. The frog, very important. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was but, his, his sex yeah. god. And now, Fertility. And now, after everything that's happened, after everything he's shown, three days are given, like I said. Three days in darkness. You can't go outside. Yeah. It's pitch black, you know. It was and like, it even says that, the Bible says that you could even touch it. Yeah, you know? it was like you, a darkness you could feel. Like, yeah. No light could penetrate it, but yet in Goshen, where the where the Hebrews they had lived, light. they had light. So imagine that you're you're an Egyptian and you're sitting in darkness, and you're like, "What has happened to my country? What is what is what is going on? You know, I I, I can I can't see anything. I can't even see my son's face. I can't even see my own own hand in front of yeah. my face. But I hear in Goshen they have light. Yeah, what's going on? I think the darkness here was significant because yeah. God. It's a representation that they're now in darkness. Yeah. Because we see well, that this is the plague that is mm -hmm. precursor to the one where his firstborn will die. Yeah. And he's now in darkness. But God takes their spiritual darkness, their <clears throat> their their, their depravity, mm -hmm. and he puts it right in front of their face. In perspective. This is what you live in spiritually every yeah. day, and I want you to see it. Yeah. I want you to see what you live in and think about what you could what you could have. My people have light. Mm -hmm. You have no light. And every day God says to us, my people have light. I want you to have that light. But the thing is that also, if we look at it from another perspective, he gives them a time to reflect. Yeah. Because the next one is actually the final plague. Mm -hmm. And to me, God is saying, okay, take a minute. You know, it's no more suffering. Take a minute to think about what you've done. Yeah, sit in okay. silence for a second. It's in silence. And look, and this is exactly the same thing that God will use for Satan yeah. before, before, the, before he returns again. Mm -hmm. He puts them in this earth where there's nothing else to do mm -hmm. for a thousand years yeah. to look at what he has done. And look, after all of these plagues that Egypt has gone through, the hail, the livestock, 
he doesn't have any more resources. As you mentioned, the priest and the counselors have said, Egypt is done. Don't you realize it? And yeah. now he is now in darkness and God gives him three days. Think about it. What, ha- what has this brought you to? He doesn't have any food. He probably still has boils that are still healing. Mm-hmm. Everything is, is, um, devast- everything is devastated. Yeah. And, this, this and whole now time, he has to ponder. He has to think about it. And this whole time, every time Moses comes to him, you know, he, for one, he says, oh yeah, I'll let your people go if you yeah. deal with this plague. But also, he tries to negotiate. Mm. First he says, who's going? Oh yeah. <laughs> who's going? Who are you taking with you? Yeah. You know? And Moses says, well, everyone's coming. Yeah. You know, the young, the old, the that women. Makes mad. Oh, he gets furious. And he says something that is completely contrary to who he is. He yeah. says, oh, wow, but what about your, your children? Oh, your evil is ahead of you. Yeah. Leave your little ones here and we'll take care of them. The same ones that, remember, he was killing. killing. Yeah. He wanted them to die. And his predecessor before him wanted them to die. So he's totally in, in a falsehood mm-hmm. here. He's trying to bargain with God. Yeah. Saying, oh, I'll give you this, but let me keep this. Yeah. I do that. You we do that. Do Everyone that. does that. And I think it goes back to the points of surrender. Yeah. Many times we want to... And you know, it's not actually... <clears throat> look, he was willing to let the males go. Yeah. It's kind of like the most important. You know, mm-hmm. it was enough to allow the children of Israel to serve their God. Yeah. But, but he also... But at the same time, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not going to let everybody go. Yeah, because I need them to come back. And yeah. if I have their kids, they're going to come back. And that's the same way with sin. Mm-hmm. Satan will say, okay, look, you can you can worship God. You, you know, go to church. Yep. Very nice. You know, go to church, uh, sing the hymns, Amazing Grace. But just come back. You know, just Keep something back. here. I, 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 have just, this, I have this little piece of you. Yeah. So you're always going to come back. And I think you were mentioning it in, in, the, in the last podcast that we were talking about, the story of the nail. Yeah, the story of the nail is an interesting story. I don't think I said it on the podcast before, okay. but I'll say it now. You know, you've lived a life of, let's say, sin, right? Yeah. You've done all these weird, horrible things that yeah. have destroyed your life. You decide, I need to get my life in order. I need to clean my house, yeah. right? So you get everything that has to do with that out. You get kick the devil out of your house. You let Christ in, right? And now there's just a small nail that the devil left in your house. Just, just a small nail. It's just a small thing. You don't think it matters. Yeah. You don't think it's important. But that's a nail he can hang his coat on. You know, that's like he's coming home. Yeah. Hang, hang my coat up, I'm home. So you're leaving that entryway in for him. And this is what Pharaoh does with this bargaining. It's what we do with our bargaining. You know, I'll give this to God, but I need to hold on to this. And Satan yeah. says, you keep holding on to that because that's the way I'm going to get back in. Yeah. That's the way I'm going to stay in your life because you're not ready to fully surrender. The thing is that at this point, <clears throat> Pharaoh, he has been bargaining already. Because mm-hmm. if we go back... First, he wasn't willing to let allow them to take the livestock yeah. because this is the way they were going to sacrifice and, and worship God. So finally, he agrees. All right, fine. You know, I'll let you know the livestock go. I'll let go as much as you need to worship God, but keep the kids. Yeah, I'll keep the kids. And Moses and then, just keeps telling him, everyone or is nothing. coming with me. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. And God yeah. says the same thing. Yeah. Give me all of your heart or nothing. And another one of my favorite quotes is, you know, almost saved. Is wholly lost. Yeah, you can't be almost saved. You can't pretty much give your heart to the Lord, because He wants the whole thing. Yeah, and I think this is what we do in our Christian lives. We bargain with God. We try and keep as much as we can, mm-hmm. to the point where we can actually go to church on Sa- on Sabbaths. We can actually, you know, sing, you know, the songs and worship. We can do everything that it's socially required of us in order to keep a good standing status as yeah. Christians. Yeah. But if we keep that little nail. Or in Pharaoh's case, just keeping the kids, 
or just yeah. in, uh, refusal to let go. Yeah, that is the thing that is going to it's keep, gonna, keep us away from. It's going to destroy us. Yeah, and that's what happens here. This refusal to let go, this refusal yeah. to fully surrender, leads to the death of the firstborn of the whole nation. Yeah, you know, this is a whole generation. This is the priesthood. This is everyone who's going to be rising up to power pretty soon in Egypt. They're dead. You know, no matter how great, no matter how low in the caste, they are dead. They're gone. Imagine if in one night, a nation lost the whole generation. Yeah, I mean, the firstborn. The firstborn. I mean, I mean, look, if you think about it, economically, they were already devastated. Yeah. Their lifestyle was gone. Mm -hmm. They could forget about it. And then the Egyptians, I mean, the, the Hebrews that were going to leave, that was going to be a huge economic collapse for them. Yeah. And even historians agree that after that vast immigration, Egypt was never the same. No, it's, it's destroyed. You know, they had lost everything they had gained by the imprisonment of the Hebrews, and more because now they've lost a the whole generation. Sin will always take more than it gives. It's an addiction, and that's what addictions do. They give you that high, but they take so much more from you. They'll destroy relationships. They'll destroy your life. They'll destroy your finances, and. This addiction that Pharaoh has to being in control, to being God himself, because that's what he was born to be. He's born a God. God yeah. he, he can't humble himself to say, there's another, there's another. There's someone else that is more powerful than me who should be my God. Yeah. And it's interesting because after that, after the firstborn die, after his firstborn son dies, he calls Moses and he says, go, get out of here. But you know, even more significant, before he leaves, he says, he's finally... <clears throat> He's finally touched, yeah. I think. And then he, he asks he asks Moses, bless me. Bless me. I mean, after... After everything. After everything, because previously, from the previous yeah. plague, he says, forgive me. Yeah. You know, I have sinned. Mm. He recognizes he has sinned. And he gets into this pattern. Please forgive me, I have sinned. Yeah. Moses call, calls out the plagues. He comes back to the same behavior. Mm. Next time he does the same thing. But up until this, now, he lost... He has lost the lineage, which is going to carry the Egyptian priesthood. Yeah, it's gone. His inheritance is gone. Egypt's identity is gone, it's gone. for that matter. Everything. And, and now he says, bless me. Bless me. It's interesting because he's come to this point where all he can do is acknowledge. Yeah. There's, there's no running away from it now. It's done. You know, he says, bless me, because there's nothing else he can do. He finally realizes that there's someone above him because a god is not going to ask someone else to bless him. Yeah. It's it's destroyed. The priesthood, the religion of Egypt, it has no power. And we and he sees it now and he has to be blessed. But does it last? That's the question. And we'll yeah. see when we continue reading what happens next. But the important thing we need to take from this story is are we just playing with God? Are we like like as many people say do we want a friends with benefits relationship with God where we yeah. get all the benefits but none of the commitment? Yeah. Do we want to have a true relationship with God because that's what he's calling us to to a, like to know him and that's very intimate in the Hebrew like you pointed out before it's very intimate to know God and it's it's this creator getting it's the creator getting to know his creation the creator getting and the, cre and the creation getting to know their creator there's nothing more special than that nothing more bonding than that and that's what he wants to have he doesn't want a fickle relationship, a, oh, I'll come to you when I need you type of relationship. He wants to be there. He wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. So if you want to know God, if you want to hear him when he when he whispers and not when he shouts, when, when things are not as hectic or destructive, when he's still just easily trying to wake you up before you slip into such a horrible slumber that he has to shout, get to know him now. Seek the Lord while he may be found. 
call upon him when he is near because right now he's knocking on the door to everyone's heart. He wants to know you. Will you let him in?